This show does not contain any information that's going to diagnose or treat your conditions. This is just an informational system for you to sit back and enjoy and maybe take away some information to further your adventure down the road. So with that warning, it is time to sit down, buckle up, put your helmet on and listen to the sweet, smooth sounds of Mike and JP as they embrace the ramblings of Nate because it is once again time for VTSR brought to you by Nost Defiance Group, LLC. This show is here for you and we're going to send it off with a bang and that bang is coming from the deep voice of JP Cervantes. Take it away, JP. I'm a little bit confused because you said deep voice. That's definitely not me. <laughs> I'm a little bit confused there. That's more like you and Mike. I don't know. Like my yeah. son got a deeper voice than me. Yeah, he, <laughs> is, he is manlier. He is, he is manlier. Yep. But anyways, everybody, hey, welcome to VTSR, another episode of Veterans Transition Support Recon Show. Uh, I'm JP Cervantes. As you know, you got Mike Pintacura. It's not Pintacura. It's Pintacura. Over there, and then you got Nate, then Hollander, the uh, the Canadian canoe. And uh, first of all, let's let's do a let's do a toast here, guys, for another show. How about that? Oh yeah, another one down. Anyways, guys, it's been uh, a week since our last recording. Actually, a, a week, yeah, a week since our a last week. recording. Even though that the episode is not out yet, because <clears throat> Nate is taking his time editing that shit. But anyways. Canadian time zone uh, issues? Well, no, uh, everybody, we changed. Uh, we were using Zoom before, and we changed to Riverside FM, which is it's a pretty amazing system, but we're trying to figure it out still. So Nate is having a little bit of trouble with the editing, as, uh, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry, guys. We'll get Peace, there. love. And the beauty about this system is that once in a while, we're going to do some podcasts where we're actually going to allow people to watch it live and people to call in live what we're recording. So that will be cool. Uh, not in this one, because we got a guest and we don't want to interrupt from what the guests got to say with people calling in. Maybe at the end, I'll share the link uh, for uh, people to call in and ask a few questions to the guests if they want to. Uh, actually, I'm going to send that link right now, guys, uh, in our chat so you guys can post it when it's time on your social media. How about that? Send it. All right. Uh, with yeah, that said, hey, it, it's been it's been a crazy week, guys. Uh, at least for me, I've been I've been a little bit busy uh, doing a lot of stuff for the uh, 222 mile rock march, trying to get sponsors, trying to get people sign up. Uh, this uh, yesterday, I spent a few hours also at Oak Grove, te- uh, Oak Grove Tra- Technologies uh, Training Center trying to do the layout for this uh, tactical game skirmish. So I'm, I'm doing all the battles and all that. I got a so, pretty good shit that I'm going to be doing. The, the real question is, are you still training, JP? Uh, for the march. For the march. Okay, I'll be honest with you. In the last two weeks, I haven't done shit. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but drink beauty, white claw. The beauty is today, yeah, yesterday and today, we had really good weather here in North Carolina. We got like 70 and 74 finally. But, of course, Grace was off, so we're just hanging out with her. Uh, she works this weekend, so this weekend I'm going to go for some road marches because I ain't got shit to do. So, yeah. But, uh, no, so I went to Oak Grove and setting up some, uh, some good battles over there for the skirmish. Uh, it's going to be very, uh, not to break your body down, but it's going to make more tactically sense. There's a reason why you're doing what you're doing. Instead Thank of you. just, let's act like animals and break you down. 
<laughs> you know. Well, when, is, when is that date again, JP? That one is March 20th. Uh, is going to be hosted by the Special Forces Association Chapter 100, and it's going to be held at Oak Grove Technologies uh, in Hoffman, North Carolina, right next to Camera Call. Well, so it's a good it's a good location. It's, it's a good crew of people that work there, and we're going to have a good time. I'll, I'll be there in spirit while I'm in enemy territory in Northern Virginia. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll try to do some lives because I'll be the I'll be the match director, so I won't be really a battle boss or anything like that. So I'll be walking around. I'll try to do some lives that way you guys can watch it as cool. it's going on. But I'll, I'll be validating the events on Friday, so Saturday I'll probably be smoke and hurting. You, you better put some <laughs> full full videos of you running the whole battle. Oh no, yeah. So I'm doing uh I'm doing all three battles. I'm validating every single one of them. Of course, all the other people that want to do it can do it, but I'll I'll make sure I'm running every single one of them. Yeah, I mean, you gotta test yourself. As soon as you get back from the march, you're running one, aren't you? Uh, yeah. The hopefully I'm trying to get because I was supposed to be doing the battle rattle, but that was that was canceled. Yeah. Oh, it was okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed I, to be that unfor- too. Yeah. Unfortunately, battle rattle was canceled because I was supposed to be doing that one a week after the march. <laughs> and uh, so, so the way I'm looking at it is like since I'm not doing that one, let me test my neck and my back, both of them, while validating this hey. event. So it'll be cool. Hey, even if you're still doing the battle rattle, it is entirely possible because I did a 50 miler 10 days after I graduated from Ranger School. So doing that kind of stuff is possible. Yeah, and he only did that last week. He graduated Ranger School just last week, so he's still fresh in the can. And you know what? It's it's like I always said. It's going to hurt? Fuck yeah. It's going to suck? Fuck yeah. At the end of the day, you just got to suck it up. Yeah, no. Man, you should have seen it, man. I, I just did a, a free workout out here in Pensacola for the SOCOM athlete program. And, I mean, it was a small group. There was five of us, but I made them drag like 170-pound sled and uh, two five-gallon jerry cans for 3.5 miles. That shit sucked. <laughs> and I joined in. They were sucking so bad, I had to join in after like the first quarter mile because they were sucking so bad already. <laughs> and we got we got, we got to the halfway point, and I'm like going, "Dang, you know, I can I can offer to go get my truck and you know pick this stuff up because it was at the halfway point we were smoked." But no, we had some good studs. We fucking pushed on, dragging, lifting, dra- you know, everything for another, you know, 1.7 whatever miles. So it was it was a good weekend. You know, it's like I tell a lot of people, it's like, am I the same guy I used to be 20 years ago? Fuck no, none of us are. It's like the difference is, do we bitch and complain? No, we just suck it up and keep going. Now, are we hurting? I, I just, Hell yeah, I, we are. <laughs> I just popped some Percocet and call it a day. <laughs> but you don't want to say that. Are we hurting? Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> We're just bitching about it. Well, I, I'm not afraid to say I'm hurting. I'm, I'm <laughs> hurting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I'm... Hey, Nate, over there, how are you doing in Canada, man? Is it cold? It is. Actually, it was, well, in Texas, it'd be considered freezing your ass off. But here, it's flip-flops and sandal weather, or uh, shorts. <laughs> so, so it's Florida weather. Yeah, it's Florida weather for us. Um, actually, I got I was talking about getting smoked and stuff. I was at the gym yesterday, and then we did a photo shoot for the, uh, the new clothing, uh, the new shirts and hoodies. And uh, the photographer was messing with me, of course. And... Uh, I was doing my lifts, so we, one of the photos was the deadlift. So I was doing my deadlifts, and I was like, well, I don't want to take pictures of, of the suck less shirt where I'm doing light deadlifts. So I had a lot of weight on there, and I started pulling, and he's like, oh, no, no, the camera's not working. So I'm like, okay, so I put the weight down, and I pick it up again, and I put it down. I end up doing twice as much work as I had planned to, 
and then we did the circus dumbbells and a few other things and I got home and I was like okay I'm good I'm I'm, I'm all fine and had my meals and everything and then today around one o'clock I was like I'm gonna have a nap I'm going to lay down and sleep because I feel like I earned it and uh, so basically I did 500 pounds 25 times for lifts yesterday and I was like huh that's kind of funny because I still have the mentality of a 22 year old and the intelligence of a 16 year old. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I get it, man. I, I mean, the work I did last weekend with the, with the guys, it just, I felt great because we all sucked together. I mean, it really yep. sucked. I mean, really sucked. And we we're motivated afterwards. It sucked so bad, but I'm telling you what, the next couple of days I was like, Oh, my back. Mm, no, no, <laughs> No, when when you guys saw me with the games uh, last two years, I would do them, do the five days down there with you guys. I'd come home and I'd just like coast for a week and then ramp back up. And uh, I haven't done that. Well, I haven't traveled for, it's been a year now. Fuck. So I'm like super just chill. But the difference this time is I have my nutrition in check. So uh, I had lots of steak and sweet potatoes and now I'm ready to go. You had your nutrition in check. Yeah. Food, JP. Nutrition is the English word for food. Uh, no, uh, it's not that. It's just the last time I checked, you were eating like freaking tacos and freaking. Well, well, you, well, have well, to, well, you have to eat like tacos are an every diet, right? I had that Taco Tuesday. There's two rules in the gym: tacos on Tuesdays and benches on Mondays. <laughs> I, I hate that bent Monday bent chest day crap. Man. <laughs> I can I, tell. I do legs on Monday <laughs> just to say screw. Bench Mondays. You know what? I, you know what? I really when you have a hate chest like a spoon. When people what? say it's Taco Tuesday, every day is freaking Taco Day. I'm just saying. Well, when well, you what about burritos? Mondays, everybody, every day is Taco Day. I mean, if you think about it, think about this. You're and saying Corona. burritos. You're saying burritos. It's the same shit as tacos, man. Mexicans are the smartest motherfuckers ever. They make one one hmm. dish and turn it into an entire menu. Think about it. They take a tortilla. They don't fry it. They just keep it like the way it is. They put the meat. They put the freaking uh, lettuce, tomatoes, and cheese, and it's a burrito. They take the same one, and they fry the tortilla. Now it's a taco. They take the same one and make it thicker. Now it's a chalupa. It's the same shit inside. It's just the tortilla is made different. I mean, think about it. And then they take the same shit, and they make fucking nachos. And I'm telling you, these people are... Freaking sport. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, anyways, wow. we'll stop talking shit. And, uh, and we are going to bring our guest today. Our guest <laughs> is Nick. Uh, Nick is from... Uh, well, let's bring him in. Let's talk to Nick. Nick is an active duty Green Beret. And he's going to talk to us about him. Go ahead and activate your camera, Nick. And let us see your beautiful face. Where are you at, Nick? Well, I'm in. Uh, oh, you guys talk about workouts. And uh, first off, I want to say Monday through Thursday is International Chess Day. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I Arms guess you day. can do. No. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm Nick. Uh, I'm the director of Green Bray Racing. Been in the Army years now. Started off in 2003. Was in the infantry. I uh, did 
about five years there before I went to selection and went to 10th group right out. Been there since. Uh, we got a we got a trip coming up that'll mark my my 12th deployment that I've done since I've been in. Peace. And I've kind of gotten a chance to see everything that we're we're dealing with. You know, my entire career has been during GWAT, and it's a it's a different flavor, I believe, than than generations past because it's a, a consistent war that you train for at JRTC and then you go do it on the battlefield, as opposed to I don't know. I guess JP, when you came in, what Panama was like, I'm I'm not really sure, but uh, <laughs> was that? Here we go. <laughs> uh, you're right on the money. Here. Keep going. Keep rolling. If I came in when Panama was in, then Mike was in the Alamo. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh no no Bosnia. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with Bosnia? That was a fun time. <laughs> so the first CAD division brought back that fucking 1,500-pound rock to put back in the museum. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so a, a little about the uh, the organization. You know, I, I'm still active duty, and we're, we're getting to see a lot of things that are not not fantastic, uh, namely suicide. You know, we, we're seeing, you know, obviously we have a rock that's, that's being dedicated towards this that you guys are a part of, JP, and we're we're seeing these numbers continue to rise and they, they've risen almost every year since 2012, which I think is a, a marketed time to understand that that's when we started to draw down the, the, the conventional military did and soft was back to spearheading everything that was going on. Dwell times were non-existent, especially in SF. At one point we were running, you know, half a day off, for every day you were in country. And as we all know, a day off, you know, a day back, a day home is not a day home. We have med refreshers we have to do. We have skills that we're losing because a guy's leaving and oh, we need another, we need another sniper grad. So we send him off for nine weeks. You know, it's the, the day home is really an excuse for them to tell you no, when you actually want to do something that's fun. That's kind of how I look at it. Uh, not necessarily it's needed. So these suicide rates started going up and we have amazing organizations that are they're stepping up, you know, the Special Forces Foundation being one of them with their new app that they're running, their mental health app. The uh, Hunter 7 Foundation's doing great things and we're, we're seeing a lot of great organizations that are stepping in to provide means that guys can reach out to and whether that's camping, hunting, fishing, just a place to go sit down with some guys and drink some beer. But we're, we're looking at this a little bit different we're trying to attack this problem before it becomes a problem. So we sponsor Green Berets to get into racing in one of two different ways. One of them is whether you're a, if you're already an established racer. This is something you do in your own free time. I race, I race dirt bikes, and I race desert, side-by-side uh, -side desert. So what we do is we find these guys that do this, and we pay for them. And racing is probably a misnomer because we have everything from three gun teams, you know, through marathon runners, Ironman, we have dirt bikes, street bikes, drag racing. It's really anything for competition, right? And the competition is what gets you to set that alarm clock. So everything that we're doing is finding positive reasons for a guy on active duty or that has gotten out to set that alarm clock for the next day. Now, why that's important is on Saturdays, Sundays, we don't set alarm clocks. It's kind of my day off, and the, we, the, the alarm clocks we set during the week are usually begrudgingly set because I have to get up. 
you know, oh, if I don't get up and get my kids to school on time, you know, they're going to miss something. Or if I don't get up, you know, the boss is going to yell at me. But when you do something that you're really passionate about, that alarm clock is almost something that's set by the side. You set it, but quite often you can't sleep the night before, you know, you're, you're jumping up when that clock hits. It's like a kid going to Disney World because it's something that you really want to do. So we learned this last year racing in the Mint 400 where the, the co-founder of the organization raced with me in the, the nation's largest off-road race. You know, we started a vehicle for the first time and drove it to the starting line, having no experience with it before. We took third in our class and it was a 12-hour race in a place that none of us had been. And it, it turned into one kind of like a team week event. You know, we, we blew our front drive shaft, we blew a belt, we had three major electrical faults. It, it just turned into this, let's keep going. And, and we kind of did. Granted, it wasn't our property, so that was a little bit easier to make the call to keep going. But uh, uh, the next day, after we finished, after this grueling, you know, your kidneys hurt from the, the, the terrible, you know, suspension. There isn't a terrible suspension, but we're not small people. And we're sitting at breakfast, and he looks at me, and he says, Nick, I haven't felt this alive since <clears throat> I retired, since I left the team. And we really started driving forward with that. And fast forward a year, we have 15 athletes now in nine different sports in seven different states. And we sponsor, we pay, we get these guys into stuff. And that's me showing up to you know, one of our racers out of first group. And he's already qualified for Boston. And me saying, hey, let me remove the the monetary barrier. Let me pay for your race entry fees. And then we use guys like him to reach out to other people that say, Hey, you know, I, I have an interest in running races. Well, Hey, we have this awesome guy that does the exact same job as you go link up with him. And whether it's trail runs, it's sit down for coffee, or it's just tips and pointers about how to do this in bigger, more staged events. It provides this outlet for team guys. And uh, to give you a good example of it, right now, I'm away on training. I'm down in Arizona, and we have our dirt bikes with us. And half my team doesn't know how to ride. So we finish up with training, and we take guys out, throw them in full gear. And I'm, a, I'm an MSF coach. I, I can actually instruct people on their, their basic rider courses and advanced rider courses. And I throw them on motorcycles, and I get them to ride around a little bit. And then we play follow the leader. And two of the guys on my team have already said they're going back to buy dirt bikes. Now, whether or not they have problems right now is besides the point because we're trying to preempt this. We're trying to give them this thing that I'm, I'm calling transitional consistency. So when they do leave the team, yeah. when they, they don't have the ability to do what they've trained to do, whether that's by injury, you know, just by happenstance, and they go up to staff or they're retiring, they have this group of like-minded individuals with the same things on their sleeves, the same things on their chest, the same lived experiences, if you will, that do the same things outside of work as well. Because we've seen all those team guys that sit in the team room and they don't do anything. That's it. The team is life. And I get it. Team before self. But they don't have anything outside of that. So when that team leaves, they have nothing to set that alarm clock for. They really just float and we see it with alcohol. We see it with marriages going down the tubes. We see it with drug abuse and ultimately we see it with suicide. So where these other organizations are moving forward to give outlets after the problem, we're moving in and trying to preempt it and say, we invest instead of one event, 
we invest in the Green Beret to find what it is that's going to help him after he loses. <clears throat> that's fantastic, because uh, when, when you don't have something to drive you afterwards like that, it, it sucks the soul right out of you. Like you have to have some sort of sense of purpose. And I remember being a young, this is 22 years ago this month when I got into uh, the unit, you'd, you'd put your uniform together, you'd have your kit together and you'd set it on the chair and you'd just sit there and go, I get to put that on tomorrow. I get to be that guy tomorrow. And then when you turn that shit in years later, you're like, who the fuck am I? But now you're you're preempting that. That's amazing that you're getting those guys ready. It's like, okay, you've got the skill set. There's this adventure series for you. This is that sense of purpose. Go be that amazing athlete afterwards. So they get to go. Okay, I don't get to wear that uniform anymore, but I get to put that gear on and I get to ride that bike there and I get to go do cool shit. That's, I mean, that's if you it, think about you know. it, Nate, is, <clears throat> is when you're in the military, you know exactly what you're wearing tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? You know exactly what you're wearing tomorrow and the day after. So there's no, it's like, you know exactly what I got to do, what I'm wearing. I'm good. Once you transition out, every day is a struggle. It's like, what am I going to wear today? Yeah. (laughs) I have the same three shirts and the same three pairs of pants. And it's it's setting that alarm clock. Yeah, begrudgingly. But now it's like you you get to you get you wake up and like i get to do this today and that adventure is just so it's what we all thrive like the the four of us here we have all come from that background of intensity and excitement and energy and then having that dissipate literally in front of you you have to have something there and me jumping into finding the tactical games and stuff and meeting these two guys that sense of purpose was just like like this beacon of hope a lot, a lot of it for me, what I've encountered was that, you know, you, you come, I'm, a, I'm a GY baby as well, so that's my whole career pretty much, and especially in Special Forces, is that when you go down range and you're in that combat environment, whether you get a firefight or not, IED or not, whatever, but that that's a, your new level of adrenaline. That's your new baseline adrenaline level is what yeah. you encounter downrange. That, hi, that hyper alertness, the hyper vigilance, that, that's your new uh, adrenaline level. So providing somebody with like this racing foundation, you know, that kind of gives adrenaline rush, people still skydive. I don't, but people that still skydive or whatever, give them a racing, you know, I'd love to get behind a wheel of a freaking off-road vehicle and race. Gives you the sense of adrenaline that kind of matches that new baseline of your deployment adrenaline rush. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, that's what we're all, a lot of people are searching for is that purpose again. So, you know. It puts some assholes next to you that have the same thoughts, you know, yeah. when you're, when you're on your team, whatever your specialty is, you know, you're, you're in the back of a, a C-130, you have, you know, you're at 18,000 feet, you have all of this shit on you, you know, you have oxygen, you have nods on you, you have a hundred pound ruck, you know, between your legs, and you're looking out and it's cold, because, you know, nothing is warm up there, but you're nope. smiling with everybody else around you as you're about to go Hey, let's see if I can fly this. Does this work? And <laughs> you know, you look at everybody else, and then uh, the next jump, you get more ridiculous. And you're like, you know what? Let me see if I can strap this thing to me. What do you think? Well, cool. Let me give me the AT4. Yeah. Like, can I strap this dirt bike to my chest and jump? I don't. I don't fucking know. Let's find out. Yeah. But you know what? It's it, so. It, it's true. It's even in combat. Like you go and you go, like, man, we're gonna go into this one mission. I think we all gonna fucking die. 
And then you all look at each other and you smile. You're like, all right, boys, let's fucking do this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or the jokes you make. Like, I've been in the middle of firefights and stopped and started laughing at somebody doing something stupid. And you're in this perilous situation where somebody is actively trying to kill you. And you're hysterically <laughs> laughing about, you know, this idiot over here that fell trying to run out of cover. And that, that, that's Nate Denhaller on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's no wonder, though, realistically, why why guys commit suicide, because what is there to fill that gap? You know, you, you have your friends the second you leave a team and it doesn't matter if you've been on that team for a decade. You know, the next day that you're off it, you can only go back so much and say hi to the guys before they say, hey, man, this is it's we like you. You're a cool guy, but we have work to do. Yeah, we got to move yeah. forward. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I was in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I moved to Florida. Yeah, I got to deal with seventh groupers now. Ooh. God bless you. <laughs> now Where I live, it's all Navy guys. There's no infantry guys around here. There's no Army guys. It's all Navy-based. No one understands my language. I feel like JP trying to speak I got English. Navy Air Force. You feel like me speaking English? Yeah, because it's all that? Navy What's around that? here. I, I, he asked me if I felt like him speaking English. Don't worry. Oh, thank subtitles. you for the translation. I, I appreciate that. Appreciate it, guys. You see, I always got a translator everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. <laughs> we got to get some subtitles. It, so one thing I want to uh, talk about, and you, you touched on this briefly, is still being active service. I remember uh, my last year in, I was not always liked by my chain of command for obvious reasons because, you know, I'm awesome. So I was filling the roles of platoon ward. And uh, one of my troops, um, actually, he was one of the other guys' troops. He was one of mine first, and then he went to the other platoon. He disappeared for a week, just disappeared. Didn't come back from leave. We were like, okay, what's going on? Uh, started looking for him, called up his parents. They're like, no, he left. We haven't seen him, blah, blah, blah. So the guy started trying to reach out to him, trying to find him. And uh, he just showed up uh, the next day, and he came in to myself and his, his platoon warrant at the time and said, look, uh, I drove into the woods. I didn't think I was going to drive out. I need help. And the piece of amazing shit, Sergeant Major, that we had, first words out of his head, I want charges ready for him. And that's where I earned the respect of my chain of command. Uh, I, re I, I didn't do much i went straight to mental health with this kid i said fuck the charges you come with me took him straight over to the docks and got him cleared into intake i told my buddy the uh, his warrant at the time i said you do what you feel you have to do but i'm taking him over to the hospital right now mm -hmm. i saw this guy a couple years ago he's been promoted twice he's got wife and kids now he's living a good life and if they had charged him instead of doing the mental health thing i probably would have punched out the sergeant major because he deserved it but that guy probably would have taken his life because it just would have shit piled on him. Mm -hmm. So where I'm going with this is that if you're in a position of leadership, you need to take the mental health factor into things these days, don't you? Instead of just doing that rigid, oh, you're AWOL and fucking you over kind of thing. You have to take it a little bit more seriously. Anyway, so that was, that's where I was going with that because we didn't have apps back then to help people or identify. It was a very toxic thing. Um, I yep. actually lost lost my position because of helping this kid so you know, you know uh nate now that you mentioned app hey nick uh i'm pretty sure you saw that the special force foundation uh team up with i relate app yep and uh they got a room that is specifically for green berets 
right? And for so, and I know uh, I got a few messages already from people that said <clears throat> this is okay, but it's not a fix. It's a good start. This and that. I think it's a good start. And now I don't think there's an actual fix for suicide. There's not a one-stop shop fix for suicide, right? There's yep. not. Uh, but I think, especially with our community, I think one of the biggest problems that we have is that one, we don't want to say anything because we feel if we do, we lose our position. They take us off the yep. team. We go to the B team, go to battalion, go to group or whatever. Even that they tell you, nobody will hold that against you. We know that's not true, right? We yep. know that for a fact. We can be naive. Mm -hmm. the, the chain of command might want to help you saying that they will not take that against you, but they will. And, mm -hmm. and you cannot blame them either because they're like, okay, well, if I got to put this guy in combat with these other guys and he's having issues, now I'm putting other guys in danger. So I get that part too. But at the same time, you as an individual, you don't want to go out there and say, well, I'm, I'm seeking help. You know, with that said, what do you think about that, about guys being able to go, you know, anonymously and talk to each other and say, hey, I'm going through this. Can anybody else relate to what I'm going through and, and kind of like, you know, talk to each other? Do, do you think that's a great idea or what? Absolutely. We are we're prideful people. You know, the, we, we started the job going to selection because wherever we were, we felt we were we were better than where we were. And that's not a, a shot at the people that we were working with or around. It's a, a reflection of who we feel we are as, you know, as an individual, our worth. So we naturally set our sights on something higher. Now, when we get there, that's that's what you achieved. You know, I, we all went through the Q course. It was two years long. You know, you, you worked your butt off. You had to study. You had to pass gates and tests and to get to it. And that's just to get you in the team room. Now, getting to the team room, though, like it, it almost starts over. You know, we, we always joke when somebody comes into the team room as a, a new guy and they say, well, I graduated the Q course. Yeah, no shit. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. So that's the <laughs> that's the start. But to to take that away, you know, and, and I can personally relate to this. In, in 2014, I blew my L4, L5 disc out. Um, completely ruptured it. I was taking nine pills a day. I'm getting steroid shots. I'm going to our PTs and getting dry needling done. And I'm, I am not in a good place. And uh, subsequently, I started going through a divorce as well. And my life just started this cascade going down. And the first thing that you hold your worth in, in any kind of dominant place like special forces is your physical prowess. You know, showing up to the gym, I can lift more weight than you or I can run faster than you. And, you know, and then you're close behind is your shooting because it's always this argument of back and forth of, oh, yeah, why well, I, I shot this faster than you. Yeah, well, I can lift more than you. So I don't, I don't you know, it's this this back and forth as you get older. Obviously, you're not keeping up with the 25 year olds nearly as well. But that's how you view your success. And that's how you're worth. And that's how I was going through this is as my my physical fitness started to degrade. I was too, I'll call it ignorant, too prideful or whatnot to say, hey guys, I need to take a step back for fear that it would be held against me, for fear that I would never make it back to a team as you know, far lived off as that, that may be. So I actually got surgery after a trip to Africa. And there was a six, six weeks after I got surgery, I was in Baghdad with my team because I couldn't accept that they could go to a combat zone without me. But prior to that, it, it took a, 
it took a lot for me to come out of it because I was viewing my success, my worth through the lenses of where I was before I ruptured my disc, before my family life started going to shit, before I started drinking a lot. And that's how I was viewing it. But no matter what I was doing, couldn't live up to that. So everything felt like a failure. And I just, I just had this, you know, cascading, continuously going down. I was going down the drain. And finally, it started me starting a business and kind of snapping myself out of it, making the decision to go warrant. You know, I bought a house. I, I did some things to better and set my sights on it and kind of change my life direction. But you're having an anonymous place would have helped me quite a bit in that situation because I didn't want to talk about my problems with anybody that I would go to combat with for fear that they might look at me and say, hey, this dude's not screwed on all the way. You know, can we trust him on the battlefield? And I'm just not willing to. So I, I, I think it's a fantastic thing that they're doing over at the Special Forces Foundation. And it's, it's, I think it's going to help a lot of guys. Well, and, and that's great because a lot of times, a lot of people think suicide after transition, right? Out of the military. And lately, we've seen a lot of active duty suicides. Yeah. I mean, we, yep. had, we had one in seventh group not too long ago. Yeah. You know, yeah I remember it, he was on PDSS. Yeah, he, he was not even at home, you know, sitting in the couch or anything like He was working. Yep. And um, now, now I, I'm going to try to say I know what he was going through or not because I didn't know him. I, I don't know what he was going through or not, but it's it's tough, man. It's got to be tough not only for the teammates. It's got to be tough for the chain of command because, I mean, at that point, you got to sit down and things like, did I miss something? Mm-hmm. If there's anything that I missed that I could figure out what he was going through and help. You know, so th- that guilt, not only it stays with the family, but it stays with the teammates and, and chain of command as well. We, we feel like we fail him somehow, you know, and that's got to be tough, man, on, on everyone. But- this isn't a fault to him because we are oriented. We have the next deployment to train for. You know, we come back, if we lose a guy in combat, we, we come back, we hold a memorial service, and that's almost like we're going to tie a bow on it. Okay, we did what we're supposed to do. Now, focus on your red cycle taskings. Like, we have to get ready for the next thing. And that's of no fault to them because we are, it's a big green machine. On to the next, on it, and there's no self-care yeah. positive releases or, or ability to do stuff outside of the team room. And yeah, you're right. It, it, it's a, a big, it's kind of big green machine because it it's just going to keep going and having that uh, clutch to slide you into a side pocket to kind of do that self care is, is what I'm starting to see more. Uh, the chaining fans attempting to do it. The way they're coming at it is not always with the best specialist or the best advice or finding the best people to kind of advise towards it, but they are trying, but it does. It's a machine. It's got gears. It's got cogs and widgets and stuff, but there has to be that little pocket to slide over, kind of get into that low recovery and and self-care and then come back into it. And one of the most Mm -hmm. challenging things for me, like hearing you talk about uh, your injuries and the divorce and all that shit. Yeah. We identify with our, our physical prowess and our shooting abilities. And as soon as they start to slip or we, we can't touch on those like chronic pain and, and things like that and having injuries, that puts us into a bad mindset right there. We become that, you know, lion with a thorn in our paw. So we start to lash out or we get angry at things. So 
being able to identify, okay, it's going to be okay if I take six weeks off to heal properly and go over here. But like you said, there's no way your unit can go without you because you are one of the most vital parts of that cog. They need you. Those are your brothers. Those are, those are the people that rely on you and they're not as good as you because you are you yeah. and you know, and you're going to miss out that FOMO is part of, of, of our condition. We're, we're prideful, but we also have FOMO as fuck, right? So, oh man, yeah. If you ask Mike, his team have never been the same since he left. <laughs> since Mike left, that team sucks. Oh, the whole, the whole, right, right, Mike? Group. I, I can't argue with that one. No. <laughs> I mean, that's how we all feel, to be honest yeah. with you. That's how we all feel. Since I left yeah. that team, they fucking suck. <laughs> I, that's really that. It, that's who we are, though. I mean, and, and it takes in, in order to run headlong into battle, you know, just, hey, this is what we need to go take. You have to have some level of confidence in yourself beyond the average person to say, yeah, this is I'm going to do this and I'm going to be fine. You know, that's such an idiotic thing. You know, when I, when I was the, the, the SIP, that's what the that's what I always thought my mentality was like, Hey, there's a whole bunch of assholes in that building that have guns and I'm going to run in there and say hi to them. You know, like that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to the average person. So when we look at suicide prevention with other, you know, other means, we can't take an approach that a t an average civilian would do, you know, sitting down, medicating guys is not going to work. You know, that's, that's going to lead to things, finding a healthy outlet that makes them happy makes them stand up and say, I'm going to go do this. You know, this is good for me. I'm around people that I like. And that's really at the core of what we're doing at, at GBR is finding ways for guys to do that. You'd be surprised how much that actually works. I mean, I'm lucky enough that, I mean, aside from my personal business, my, you know, personal business, I'm trying to get up off the ground, you know, to eventually pay all the bills, but I, I still government contract work and I support regiment training and even my interactions with guys that are still active duty versus the guys that are retired and supporting with me. It's, it's night and day how much that helps me out just daily interacting with people that, you know, understand our background. So, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge, huge deal. And you know, well, think uh, about how Nick, we, like we said, meet people. I'm sorry, Nick, but like I, you were I'd talking say... about, you were talking about medication, you know, you're right, man. Uh, I thought, I took about 17, 18 different medications a day when I first uh, retired. And uh, yeah, I was going through a rough time, I admit it. Uh, I, was, I was depressed, I had anxiety. I mean, you name it. But, but none of that medication ever helped me mm -hmm. at all. I mean, it didn't do shit for me except for keeping me groggy and freaking, you know, all day long. It's like, it yeah. didn't really help me. It was, it was not until, until I decided to get off those medications that I actually started feeling better. Yeah. And then, and then I go like, okay, well, I'm feeling better now. Let me find something healthy to do. So I started doing, you know, nonprofit stuff, you know, trying to work on business, trying to mm -hmm. do all this stuff. And I figure out, well, helping other people is what makes my day. So let, let me do that. You know, that's what I like doing. Yeah. But medication, man, it, it don't help you. I don't think it does. It, it just, I think that's the easiest way for doctors to say, I, I treated you, come back in three months and we'll talk about it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a chemical leash. You know, if you, if you think about it, it's a means to hold you back from anything. And in some places there are obviously some people that need medication to write hormone imbalances, but the, 
the average person that gets out of our line of work needs a purpose. We need something to do. And some guys find that in business. Some guys find that in not going to Wall Street or going back to college or, or whatever it is. But most guys haven't explored who they are enough to know what it is that they need, what makes them happy, what drives them. Yeah, no, it's great to hear that, you know, hearing that from you, that someone that's still active duty that's recognizing that it's the purpose. Because I don't know how many times we've said it on the podcast here about having a purpose once you get out, whether it be military, no matter what what you did in the military to first responders, police, you know, everything. It's mm-hmm. you, 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 I knew what I was going to, like Jake, you said, you know what you're wearing every day going to work. You know what you're doing. You know where you're going to be. Right place, right time, right uniform. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I mean, but for, actually to hear someone on active duty start recognizing that that purpose is what's what you need to find is it's really great to hear your purpose in life is so tough to find what makes you happy and i think it goes back into our mentality of being on a team is i can only i feel wrong if i'm doing something for fun outside the team and that's because everything is driven to that team, to that deployment, to that next thing. What does the team need? So you're either spending time with the family or taking a a break and sitting at home on the couch and watching Netflix because you've just come back from a four month TDY where you're, you know, you're running, you know, balls to the wall the whole time. You have three weeks until you push out for deployment. What the fuck am I going to go do? You know, I kind of just want to sit here. You know, I I got a lawn to mow. I got I got to catch up on mail that's been stacking up over here, you know, and, and who what other family problems you're going through. So finding the time, just do just go to the range and shoot. I, I mean, I don't go to the range much and shoot. We shoot all the fucking time at work, but I enjoy it. It's a great thing that we're going to do. But how many people are going to pursue that on their own time? So with GBR, the other side of the house is removing the monetary barriers to try some of these cooler things. You know, if you want a guy to race and the desert, the best in the desert series, it's the, the circuit that regulates off-road desert racing in the Southwest, your budget to race in a low-end car, a low-end car is just shy of $100,000. In order to race for the year, you're going to spend roughly a quarter million dollars. Now, granted, we're deployed all the time. Is that American uh, dollars? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't, Holy we don't spend- shit. The only, dollars, that, the only dollars that matter, Nate. <laughs> I'm just trying to do the math in my head. Sorry. <laughs> wow. It's, it's ridiculously expensive. But to tell a guy, oh, this is your passion. You want to race in a competitive series off-road, but I need you to pay out of your own pocket is a very tough thing to do. I mean, we're government employees. So what we aim to do is provide the ability <laughs> for them to race, starting in local races, because I'm I'm a pretty generous dude, but I'm not going to give you a $100,000 race car and you know have you drive it for the first time on a national stage. And then that's not usually a good recipe. You know, team guys aren't known for good rest, uh, for good restraint. Um, I don't know how many razors I've seen flip by guys just driving to the range. But um, there's a reason for it. But uh, so we're we're doing that, and we're we're entering guys in with our own vehicles. You know, we're we're only coming up on two months old. So we don't have a, a giant fleet yet, but we have, we have a couple side-by-sides. We have some dirt bikes and we're teaching guys how to do this. And if they enjoy it enough, then I'll find a local race wherever you are and pay the fee so you can enter it. 
and go try. You know, you know, dip your toe. I don't need to throw you into the Boston Marathon to find out if you like running or not. So paying the, the, the due diligence to an individual at a lower cost to us to see if he really likes it. And if he does, we can invest more. If he doesn't, then uh, we're out a little bit and he has a cool story that he can tell his friends. But he knows at that point, that's not for me. All right, what's the next thing? You know, do you want to competitively fish? I, I mean, I'm not much of a fisherman, but sure. If you want to try it, go. And if you like it and that's what saves your life down the road or that's what stops you from going down, you know, this rabbit hole of drinking and drugs and, you know, spousal abuse and all that kind of stuff, I, I don't care. Let's swipe the card. Let's get uh, you, you into go stuff fishing, that you want to do. Warriors on the fly. Because they'll take you fly fishing in a heartbeat. My man Carlos over there with Warriors on the Fly will take you fly fishing. And he takes good photos too. Puerto Rican hillbilly. Puerto Rican hillbilly over there with his waders on and everything. He'll take you fly fishing. Yeah. But no, but but you're right, Nick. Is and you know what? Like like Mike said, I'm really happy that you are active duty and you're seeing this now, because the problem is that with this conversation that we're having a lot of people don't have it until they retire until they separate from service that whether me. that's five six seven eight years they never had this conversation so by the time that they have this conversation they're way deep in the hole you know mm -hmm. and so i'm glad that you're seeing it while active duty and hopefully people are starting to have this conversation while in active duty so that they recognize that hey i have to find a purpose because and and i think another problem with our kind of people, right? Our, 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 our community is that we think that when we get out, our purpose is the same thing that we were doing in the military, right? I want to be a gunslinger. I want to be a mercenary. I want to go and do contracts. Yeah. I want to kill people for, for, for money or whatever that might be, right? And then you realize, shit, that is actually not my calling. My calling is making soap or making beer products yeah. or make maybe making little <laughs> girls freaking you know making little girls freaking dresses or whatever that might be but it might be something different i mean look at mike mike is doing now of course mike is kind of like in the same realm of what an 18 charlie does right making shit and making shit work so he's but he's over there freaking with sewing machine hey, making hey, tactical sewist is a real bags. thing it's it's actually a cobbler's elf is the actual official title on it here we go with the short joke skin next <laughs> So, so if you think about it, it's like not if, if we set our minds that when I retire, my green beret skills is what's going to make me money. We're already failing. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to forget those tactical skills or start thinking about the leadership skills and the people skills that we acquire while in the military. That's what's going to make us money. That's what's going to make us better. Yeah. The tactical skill, skills are going to be there anyways, mm -hmm. and they're great to have. And you can employ them in any situation. But I think those leadership skills and that people skills and the, you know, the ability to talk to people and make them do what you want them to do without them realizing it, that's really what's going to drive you to do anything that you want to do. Yeah. And, and we forget that. We go like, well, if I was a cop, when I get out, I'm going to start a security company. That's what everybody says yeah. if you think about it. Yep. You know, if you look at I our still every green brother that retire, what is he gonna do? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna contract, contract, go overseas. I'm gonna contract. Yep, that's it. <laughs> you know, the, if you look at you know some of our our biggest schools that that we hold as far as SF goes, the the 
the the crowning jewels of some guys' careers. You, know, you got you got Sipsik, you got Sephardic, you know, for some guys, Ranger, Dive, Freefall, right? Most of those skills that are involved in that, aside from some of the planning that goes into to the mission sets, the, the average civilian company, the vast majority of them, does not care that you can take a 450-meter shot in any condition within one meter of an American. What does that do for Google? You know, and <laughs> they don't. And, and that's the, the simple thing of it. It means we're they, precise. They Damn it. <laughs> We know, how to, we know how to read the wind, okay? Fuck. Yeah. yeah. What do you show up to Jeff Bezos and be like, uh, Grubhub <laughs> will be here in a little bit. It's, it's not going to work. <laughs> hey, Charlie can order some good food, man. Jeez. <laughs> but anyways, hey, uh, real quick, uh, Nick, before, yeah, we are 40 minute, 48 minutes in, but uh, I posted the link and I sent the link to a few people already uh the link is out if, uh for any calls that want to come in and ask nick any questions don't ask us we want you to ask nick uh he's our guest uh, if you ask us we'll probably answer it and then tell you well i am married yeah so we, let's let's stop those calls yeah okay no, the, yeah, hey, hey, nick, that was me. nick that was me oh that was you asking oh, the yeah. question okay my, my <laughs> So if any phone calls, uh, anybody want to make a phone call and ask Nick anything, go ahead and make it. Uh, just uh, just understand that when you call in, uh, you will see your video, and we will see you in video. However, understand that if you try to show us anything, we will see it. But when this podcast gets published, nobody else will see it because your face will not show. Only your voice will be on the podcast. So it, it will be just like you made a phone call. So... Don't try to look all sexy and show your boobies and all that. Hi, I have a question for Nick. Uh, yeah, uh, the lady with uh, the really deep voice out of is that Montreal? <laughs> yeah, Adam's apple. Hey, 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 Nick. Uh, what's your what's your moisturizing routine? Because you have beautiful skin. I want to wear it as my own face. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Put the lotion <laughs> in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last time we saw Actually, Nick. Uh, I just got a text from somebody that it says is about to make a phone call. So oh boy, I'm not allowed to say who it is. It's not me this time. Somebody's gonna make a, it's phone a Nick call. fan club. Be calling in soon. Oh, it's coming in. I am bringing the caller oh. in. We got a caller. We got a caller coming in. Oh, and that is Sydney. <laughs> Long time <laughs> listener, first time caller. Turn on your mic. She got to turn on her mic. Turn on your mic. Turn on your <gasps> mic, Sydney. Oh, no, nope. turn it back on. There you go. It's on. Nope. There we go. How I'm are you good. doing, How Sydney? Are you? How is everyone? I'm doing good. I just wanted to call in quick and say congratulations to Nick. I, I wanted to listen to your episode tonight. I'm so proud of you and the organization that you're creating. It's pretty awesome. Well, thank you. Have, have we met? I, I'm. <laughs> He's married, but his name is Nick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sid, I am married. Yet. I'm going to tell Dan. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, I Sid. I, if, if you guys don't know all the, those no, listening, Sydney and I work pretty closely together and everything for the Special Forces Foundation and then driving Green Beret Foundation forward. They've, they've helped us out a lot in terms of just advice, 
ways to move forward and support on everything from social media to, to kind of just getting things going. So, so I, I don't talk to Sydney much by choice. Um, we're both, I mean, we used to talk every single hours. day, but we are yeah. so busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are both now so busy, but for both really good reasons. And we're super excited to see your organization take off and, the good you're going to do and partnering to, to try to get ahead. You know, what you said earlier about how it's not a fix, but it's, mm -hmm. it's a step in the right direction. That was nail on the head right there. And yep. that's what we're both we've, trying to do. We've worked with, and I've talked with uh, the head of the foundation about stuff that we're partnering with going forward. Uh, and it's, we're actually going to maintain a vehicle for the special forces foundation as a part of a gold star celebrity race that's happening nice. at the mint for so what's going to happen is we're going to maintain the vehicle uh make sure that it's up to race specs meets all the codes and then we're going to take a gold star child not oh. child like a, an eight-year-old but like 15 16 18 20 year old somewhere in that area that can drive along with a celebrity yeah. put them through a ground course so they can understand what it wow. is that they're getting into that is and awful. then let them race and we're going to maintain the pits we're going to do all that kind of stuff so it's a part of the collaboration that we're doing together with the Special Forces Foundation to further both agendas. That is awesome. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a blast. Um, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing, Nick. You're doing great, and what the message you're getting across and the amount of people you're reaching in such a short time. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate amazing. it. I'm proud of you as a friend, not not just from the foundation. Aww. I'm proud of you as a friend. Oh, she hung up on that. Did she hang up on that? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was trying I'm to not doing I'm not doing it. Oh, come on, guys. Best people to do that ah. stuff. Ah. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, gosh. You guys have a good night. It's so good to see you too, Nate and Mike. Oh, my goodness. Hey, good to see hey, everyone. Sydney, when you, you hang up, let the video you. finish uploading yeah. before you exit your browser. Yeah. All right. Love you, okay, Sid. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Sounds good. Love you, bye. Anyways, that was Sid, our our first time caller. <laughs> Takes a beer. She was she was yeah, on the is. podcast yeah. before as part of the Special Force Foundation, but now she is as a first time caller. So she owes a case of beer. <laughs> She's like going to buy it too. She'll buy it. She'll buy two. No, I know. Damn it! It's probably going to be something like Molson Ice. Some bullshit. <laughs> no. So you guys are like Colorado and West. I need an Alaskan Amber Ale, please. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Nick, before I forget, I knew I have one question I wanted to ask you. Uh, from the top of your head, if you can remember kind of like Maso Menos numbers, uh, people that you know that whether they were retired or active duty that uh, died of suicide, uh, more than five, less than five, more, you know, uh, what, uh, what, what would you say the number is? Personally, no. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that's probably more than five. More than five. I, I that's a lot. It is. The, the regiment itself, from the ones that I, I'm tracking, is it, it's over five in the past month and a half. Jesus. Um, the, I didn't the track that are, many. Are staggering. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, it's, it's, and all those guys were, were all active duty, which is wow. which is the worst part of it. You know, the, the numbers, to, to break the numbers down, they go averagely for the civilian side of the house between law enforcement, firefighters, EMT, they're all sit somewhere around 
12 to 17 per 100,000 that commit suicide. Now, granted, that is a very large population that, that does that. Now, the average military, the, the conventional military, commits suicide at a rate of about 22 per 100,000. So just a tick high, the 22 a day is a real thing. It's stuff that, that we need to uh, concentrate on. But special operations commit suicide at a rate of 39.3 per 100,000, according to the VA. So we are almost purely double the and almost three times some of our civilian counterparts that work in, in equally stressful jobs. I know I don't want to be a cop or, or work in some of those fields. That's I, I don't that just doesn't appeal to me, uh, especially the current environment. But the fact that our numbers are that high and it, it corresponds to something that the Special Forces Foundation is tackling is the wounded. And we see almost a, a one to one ratio with our, our small element. I'm talking Green Berets itself almost a one-to-one -one ratio of death in combat zones with the rest of the military since about 2012. It, it's a ridiculous number that guys are seeing, that we're seeing friends lose. It's almost almost a guarantee when you see somebody die in Afghanistan that it's a Green Beret, you know, or, or somebody gets killed. If it's good, it's well better believe it's a Green Beret. Um, unless it's somebody that was along in a, you know, a, an advisory role or supporting role that we need them there for a specific mission. So it's, it's a shit cause that we have to step up and fight, but it's something that's needed. And as far as I'm tracking right now, JP, nobody is trying to prevent it on the front side before it becomes a problem. Man. And, and let me tell you, it's when we talk about Afghanistan or Iraq and, Syria, Iran, I mean, it doesn't matter where around the world happens is right now, most conventional forces, unfortunately, can't even do operations because they're not allowed to. They're just in bases and they're told to stay there and, you know, take rockets as they come and you can't fire yeah. back. The only ones that are doing offensive operations are soft, yeah. period. The, that, those are the only ones. So, of course, we're going to have the higher rate of casualties. Yep because we are the ones out there actually bringing the fight to the enemy. Everybody else is just hunkering down at the base, yep. right? And not because they want to, it's because they're told to, right? In the spirit. Uh, so, yeah, so, and, and you know what? We sign up for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm mad about it. We sign up for that shit. But one thing that we always, I always talk about, even when I was in a team, I, w I was like, you know what, when we go to combat, nobody wants to lose anyone, but we are, we know that the expectations or the chances of losing a teammate or, or, or a friend in another team or whatever that might be, that they're there, right? You can expect that to happen. But what we never expect to happen is that we're back home sitting, having a beer, and you get a phone call that buddy so-and-so shot himself in his living room. That we're never ready for that. Now we're not we're never ready to lose anybody in combat, but we can expect it. But we never expect losing somebody back at home because he shot himself or he jumped off a building or he shot himself and his family or or whatever the case might be. We never expect mm -hmm. that. And and it shouldn't happen. And, the, the question is, how, how do we prevent it from happening? I, I don't think there's, there's one right answer for that. I think there's, there's an entire process that got to be in that. Uh, and be, before I finish my rant here, there's one thing that I talked to a gold star wife, right, or, or, or a widow from suicide. Uh, he, he drank himself to death. 
he literally drank until he died period mm -hmm. and one of the things that she told me she's like jp this is the problem you guys in the military get all these kind of briefings when you redeploy before you deploy and all that shit. you get all these briefings we as the spouses we never get any training on how to deal with you nobody teaches how to deal with you when you get back nobody teaches how to how to uh, uh you know how to recognize the signs of of you being suicidal nobody teaches that and and you are our spouse you sleep with us every night like we believe we should be your first line of defense however i try to explain that spouse you're not the first line of defense and i'm going to explain you why you're my spouse great i sleep with you every night great however i will not open up to you because you don't understand what i went through yeah so i will never try to explain you that however i think that spouses should be trained on when you see something that you cannot handle you need to pick up that phone find out a little roster your husband got and call a freaking teammate because that teammate will be in your house in a heartbeat and he knows how to deal with your husband because he's been through the same situation mm -hmm. or similar and he knows how to relate to him but you as the spouse you can you you cannot solve his problems and if you feel you do you're going to fail him you're going to fail him because you can't you cannot relate to his issues how do you how do you feel about calling people out so we we do a really good job on the range you know in the gym of calling guys out that are sandbagging that are not shooting fives that are not there for training but uh you know it, it, given that there's three warrants in this room it's pretty funny we talk about not being there for training but um the uh the the thing that that i've talked about this guy through and through <laughs> see your uh, warrants are different than our warrants but similar yeah yeah, yeah well they're not i work for a living so, then drop my brick yeah. off on the desk and leave for the day yeah. yeah zulus are always well i have a meeting to go to but you can't question me because i rate you that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> and i talked about this with ignacio over at the, the special forces foundation and one of the cool things that goes on with them being active with us being active is that we can walk into a room with the tabs with the badges with the hat and look at somebody and say hey is everything okay and they come you know they can come back with nah yeah everything's fine bullshit i've been in your seat i have your qualifications i know what the fuck is wrong talk yeah. to me because it's that same to same like you were talking about so i i just want to know what what you think about jp about that that tough love from from a brother not your your mistress but how you feel about calling people out and calling them on their bullshit you know uh it, it's funny that you mentioned that because i want to say it was three maybe four weeks ago uh when when our seventh group guy uh that of suicide in south america uh, mm -hmm. i got a message from tank uh rick Ferran from uncle zombies got a children one of our friends i've been in a podcast before and um he i got a message from him and he was like dude we keep losing guys and we need to stop this shit. and one of the things that he said he said this is like jp we need to start holding our brothers accountable and and you are correct we do the thing is we need to know who we're talking to as well right because i know if i call mike and i go like hey mike yeah you know what you're a fucking asshole and you're being selfish you're thinking just about yourself how about how about think about this 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 and that it's not just about you 
uh, Mike will be like, got it. But if you say that to somebody else that is very like all these little sissies these days, uh, he'll probably go like, oh, my God, he called me a pussy and he shoot himself. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, but I think in our community it, where we come from, we have to do that. We have to hold our brothers accountable because, like I always said, is we sign up to be, you know, selfless service. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you think suicide, you're being selfish because you're leaving family behind, you're leaving friends behind that love you, and there's nothing that you cannot get through. I mean, you've been mm -hmm. through horrible shit in combat. You've been through the most intense training there is, right? And you got through that. So you can get through whatever it is that you're going through if you let your brothers help you. But you got to ask for help, and you got to let them help you. You know, if you just sit at home and then you say, well, nobody loves me, nobody helps me. It's like, well, who the fuck do you ask for help? Mm -hmm. You know, did you call a teammate? No, nobody my team knows. Then it's your goddamn fault because I guarantee you, your team will not let you fail. Mm -hmm. They, they will you, not. Uh, if you think of like weightlifting, we're in the gym, you're going for PR, regardless of how much weight it is. If it's a PR, you're going to have somebody over there spotting you because you've never lifted that before. And that's a heavy damn weight to you, obviously, because you've never lifted it. You know, what's heavier, though, that weight you've never lifted or the burden of letting your brothers down? You know, the, the, the problems that you're having in your life, because if you're willing to call somebody up for weight that you've never lifted, then the weight of what you're going through, that the stuff that's heavier weighing more on you, you should ask for more of a spot on. And whether that's an outlet, whether it's just, hey, can we get a beer or something like that? Or, you know, the wife's driving me nuts, man. I need to get out of the house. Then why aren't you asking for help? And I think that's the problem that we need to tackle is why guys aren't asking. And then the flip side, when a guy's off, like, you know, I said it before, when he's not shooting right in the house, you're going to chew his ass because something's wrong. But if he's not acting right in the team room, nah, he's just off today. Well, no, no, that's not the right answer. We can pin him down. You know, put a finger in his chest if you have to and, and get him to talk. And that's that's where this stuff comes from, that preemptive thought, because the thing that you don't want is that guy to go home and cack around off in his head. And you sit there and think, man, we left the team room on Friday. He, he was a little off and I never said anything. That's a haunting thought. No, you're correct. And, you know, it's just it's just tough, Nick. It's just. You know, a, a lot of people are out there and, and they're suffering and they're they're not willing to ask for help. And that's their own fault. I don't care how how much pride you got in yourself. You have to ask for help. Listen, when you were in the team in, in a team and, you know, when I got to my team at first, right, I, I was a brand new 18 Bravo weapon sergeant. And I knew uh, because I was for two months, a holdover in the Q course because my security clearance was not finished. I was an instructor, basically just graduated. So I was an instructor in the in MLOC, in the MLOC, uh, not the MLOC, the mortars portion, FDC. So I went through FDCs twice, right? So I knew FDC from top to bottom. But the problem is, when I got to the team room, nobody taught you in the Q course how to do ammo forecast, how to do the Excel spreadsheet for ammo, and the ammo request. That's not taught in the Q course, right? And I was the only Bravo in my team. I was the senior Bravo. As soon as I got there, I'm like, this is bullshit, right? So what did I have to do? I had to go to the next team over. And I was like, oh shit, you guys you guys got two 18 Bravos? Yeah. I don't know how to do this fucking forecast shit. They were like, well, JP, uh, how good are you at 
FDC shit. And I'm like, FDC? Oh shit, I can do that shit with my eyes closed. They're like, well, we got a train off for the team, for our team, for FDC, for motors. Can you do our training? We'll help you do all your ammo and teach you how to do it. We're like, fuck yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? But I, I got an answer for that, JP. What is it? Every group does it differently. No, There's no, not no, one what, way to forecast ammo. Every group does it differently. Trust me, I know. No, I guarantee you there is. But what I'm saying is they don't teach you that. Colonies. They don't even teach you the basics in, in the Q course when it comes to weapons shit, right? So so I'm like, well, okay, great. Uh, what did I do? I went and asked for help. Did yeah. I feel bad about it? Fuck no, I didn't. No, I just went and asked for help. <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm like, oh, shit, now I know how to do this shit. So when the next guy comes in, now I can teach the next guy how to do this shit just like I was taught. Yeah. Right? But if you don't ask for help, guys, that nobody will be able to read you now. If you are, like Nick said, if you're in a team room, if you're anywhere and you see a guy struggling, you need to hold him accountable. You need to call him out. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have to be an asshole about it, but you need to call him out and say, dude, no, you're not okay. Let's freaking leave the team room. Fucking put some CVs on. Let's go out to fucking Hooters or whatever the fuck you want to take your friend to Max Hooters or whatever that might be. And let's have a beer and let's talk about this shit. Yeah. You know, at some point you got to do that. You can't just let go like, he'll be all right. He just mad at the wife. Because we don't know, man. We don't know. that Being mad at the wife might, might be the difference between him, you know, a dying of suicide or killing himself and the wife. Well, mm-hmm. I, you got to remember that being on a team is like, is your second family or your first family. You, you got to treat them like that. You start seeing people not looking right, not acting right. You need to freaking drag them out and figure out what's going on. For yep. you know, yeah. If they start looking like a POW living in the basement, you know, you got to make fun of that shit and find out what's going you mean on. In the team room in the cages, yeah. Seen that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's spot on with with all that. You know, we're we're working on building a shop, uh, a brick and mortar place that vehicles can get worked on. We'll, we'll keep the most of the fleet that we have. That's another and, one we'll out, Yep. And that's, that's something I learned growing up with my dad. Um, really colorful language when you're trying to get a 10 millimeter on a, you know, uh, on some, on an engine that's backed by the firewall that some asshole of an engineer didn't decide to talk to a, a mechanic about when they put it in. Um, but the, the conversations him and I would have and, you know, transversely my friends, when they come over and help me work on dirt bikes or trucks or whatever, it, it really changes because you're, you're in a situation of, Hey, I, we have nothing else to do. You know, it, it doesn't take a lot of brain power to turn a win, turn a wrench, you know, putting some things back together does, but there's a lot of room for conversation and it, it can turn, you know, an, an intimate conversation really cool. quick where you get to see it and ask those questions. It's also a brain occupation. You to wrench on a vehicle, you got to think about the whole process, the problem-solving process. So it's it's a brain occupation as well. That I, I hate to say, it for lack of better terms, distracts you from what you're, you know, what you could be thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things. He, like you know, JP mentioned, you know, me. I I never thought I would take joy and sit behind a sewing machine, creating, you know, small batch tactical gear, but I do. And it's because I got to focus on the task at hand and it totally distracts me from what I could be thinking about. Not that I would be, but the possibility of what I could be thinking about. Yeah. It's an escape. American movie theaters or or cinema just really in the world is one of those things because it's this two hour snippet where you're, you don't have to think about anything that's wrong in your life. You know, granted the 
prices are going off, but are going up. But you don't you don't care. You're you're not thinking about you know for for the average person. You're not thinking about the mortgage. You're not thinking about, hey, my car insurance is due, but I got to buy groceries as well. Like all that stuff disappears. I don't know why you're in a movie theater if that's the problems that you're having, but um, it, it disappears. So the, the same thing goes for, for guys like us. You you need to find that thing that takes your mind off of it, but also puts you around people that you're willing to open up around. We all need that escape, you know, skydiving. I mean, you're sure problems you have, except making sure that parachute opens. Well, would you... <laughs> I mean, I, when, I, when I retired, I mean, within the first year, I mean, I, obviously I realized that there was some, I mean, I was going through a fifth of Jack every two days at one point, you know, and I actually came up with a phrase. I, I don't know if anybody else has said it, but I mean, it, I'll take credit anyways, but it's sometimes it takes a familiar form of chaos to become calm. And this is like the first year I retired, you know, for me going at the time was going shooting. So having that little chaos of a, an explosion going off in your hand created a bit of calm for you know what was going on in my head so you know sometimes yeah. that's what it takes to and that again that kind of can relates to either the racing or whatever else you know the adrenaline rush it's a, it's a form of chaos that we're used to from the, the gwat days mm-hmm. you know and it it's it's comforting it's familiar you know in doing this active duty wise you know we we get a lot of flack from guys that say you're active you need to be focusing on your job we're focusing on our job this isn't taken away from any of my training anything that we're doing but nobody's done this and uh, i'll tell you that the guys that helped me run this were were sick and tired of accepting no from people that haven't tried and we haven't seen anybody try this so you know help us or get out of the way is really exactly our, our thought process is <laughs> and that's the way to do it uh nick that is, that's actually i think the best way we could end this is that we're doing it. Nobody else is doing it. Either help us do it better or get the fuck out of the way. You know, I yeah. love it when I get messages on Instagram, people talking about, you know, how the podcast can be better. And I go like, well, all you're telling me is it can be better. Are you giving me a solution? And they're like, right. well, no. I'm like, then shut the fuck up. It's like, <laughs> when you send me a fucking a solution or a, a way I can make it better, then I'll fucking take it. Otherwise, no. shut yep. the fuck no. up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, JP, remind me of this. Remember this point after we stop recording because I got something to let you know about. But it's we're 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 doing the right thing. Oh, we are, we are. Plain and simple. We, we I, are. I got a story to tell you later. I mean, we got we got a lot of people that have sent us messages saying that this podcast literally saved their lives. So to me, even yeah. that's a win to me. Yeah, and absolutely. we have more than one. So that that's you know we we're gonna continue doing this. Hey, Nick. Uh, we, as you know, we all got TBI, and most of the people that listen to us got TBI. So our attention span is really freaking short. So we don't try to make our podcasts too long, and we already went past what uh, we wanted to. But it's great because it was a great topic, great conversation. So we don't we don't like to hold Magic back from that. Editing. But with that said, uh, got a question for you. Anything else that you want to add or any uh, upcoming events that you want to let everybody know about? And please throw out the website for the foundation and everything out there as well. Yep. GreenBerryRacing.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Green Beret Racing. Pretty easy things to find. We do have, a, I think, a pretty awesome event coming up May 1st. We're doing a, a race through the Pines, which is going to be go-kart drag racing at what? Pinehurst number two. What? And, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not messing around. Um, so <laughs> there's going to be a, a car, a, a golf cart show there's six different categories for it you know bring them out you know throw whatever horns you want on there 
We're also going to be down in Savannah, Georgia, uh, come May 29th for a poker run. We're raffling off a uh, Harley and a rifle. We've got a, four different uh, places to stop. We've got a band. we got a bonfire. we got drinking, shooting. It's going to be a pretty good time. And then we're also starting a, uh, I think we're calling uh, Eternal Sentinels, which is a 39-day self-improvement race on Strava that has two different facets. The first one is you're going to actually compete nationally with everybody on Strava for logging miles in your particular sport. And the second part of it is a self-improvement thing where we say pick something you want to be better at in 40 days, and you're going to devote 10 days to studying it or 10, uh, 10 minutes to studying it and 10 minutes to practicing it. So if you want to be a better three-gun shooter, study it for 10 minutes, practice it for 10 minutes, and by the end, you've put in over three days of training by the end of it to see kind of where you're at. That's cool. That is awesome. Hell yeah. Hey, the, the Pinehurst <clears throat> one, is that right here? Pinehurst, North, Pinehurst North Yes, Carolina? sir. Yeah, going to be out <laughs> bro, there. Bro, you better send me that info, bro. I'll be there in a heartbeat. It's going to be a good time. Richard Petty Foundation's coming out, so we're hoping to get the oh, big geez. man out there to help us. Oh, uh, yeah. It's in, it's in conjunction I, with uh, the Veteran Golfers Association, so they're R they're doing all the setup. R Richard Petty's done some great stuff with the SF community. I remember I was an 18 trolley instructor, and they that his his company was instrumental in some futuristic vehicle modifications and great program. Oh, nice. That is. I'll awesome, just say man. we're going to try to to wrap a golf cart and our uh, our logos that were we're bringing out so hide your kids hide your wife that go-kart's probably not going to lose how <laughs> <laughs> do i get my logo on there uh message me i will done hey so everybody <laughs> uh greenberg racing check them out on instagram facebook all the social media out there and uh yeah they're doing great things hey nick it was freaking a pleasure having you in the podcast absolutely uh, you know what the perspective that you brought to this podcast from active duty guys just pretty amazing and i hope that someone out there can get something out of this i'm pretty sure they will and we really appreciate uh, you taking the time of being in the podcast i know you're busy and doing training and all that good stuff so well thanks for having me on guys it's been a pleasure to talk to you guys about gbr and just you know sf in general and life i appreciate the time no no problem and to, uh hey mike you got anything else you want to throw out there to everyone no, nah, just won't hold it. I won't hold it against him. He's tenth group. We're all on the same team in the end. Uh, trying to do the uh, right thing We're for the regiment. Uh, We're twice as good. <laughs> but uh, we'll be in touch, man. It was it was a blast uh, meeting you and uh, getting to know a little bit more about your organization. Uh, I'll definitely be pushing it on my uh, both my accounts. So definitely. Thanks, How about you, Nate? You got anything? I'll take us out when you're done, my friend. All right. No. Uh, besides that, I just want to remind everyone that uh, in conjunction in conjunction with BTSR, Special Force Foundation, and other foundations out there, uh, we got Dog and Cover Initiative. We got the National Warrior Foundation, the uh, Operation Aquatic Freedom, and Operation Enduring Warrior. Uh, we are doing the 222. Well, let's walk it out. 222 plus mile rock march. And the reason we're doing it 222 plus is because. Uh, if you guys don't know yet, the numbers have uh, gone up from 22 a day to 27 a day. So we're Dang. doing 20, 222 plus. I think that by the time that we get done with this, Rock March is going to end up being 225 miles. We're doing approximately 22 to 25 miles a day. Go to letswalkitout.org. There's still opportunities to be a sponsor title sponsor you can sign up as a volunteer if you're going to volunteer in any way even if it's just one day please go to the website and sign up and uh actually put what day you're going to be available 
Uh, that way we know where our gaps are in support and we can actually, you know, try to fill up those gaps later. And we got awesome items in the raffle. Uh, so go over there and buy some raffle tickets. You're still hoping if you do that. So, uh, yeah, we're getting ready to do that, and that's going to benefit five amazing foundations. And it goes exactly what the, uh, you know, along with what the podcast is about, which is suicide awareness, prevention, transition, and all that good stuff. So uh, we appreciate you guys' support. Once again, let's, let's walk it out.org and uh, go over there and give us some support. And we're also on Instagram. So uh, with that said, everybody out there, no matter what you're going through, reach out to somebody, a friend, a teammate, no matter who you got to reach out to, and whatever you do, don't catch out take it out when and as you said don't cash out ladies and gentlemen and if you're in need reach out to somebody because there is always somebody there to lean upon and we would like to thank our sponsors for this episode of vtsr that is nostifiance group llc uptown auto glass and thank you for joining us this has been a we defy production